What's up, everybody? This is Bai here from the Coochie's Corner Podcast. Before we start this week's episode, I just want to uh, do a quick um, sad news story because obviously everyone uh, has by now heard of the unfortunate accident that happened um, with the Johnson family. Uh, Chandra's um, parents have been involved in what is an apparent murder-suicide. Um, and unfortunately, the life of their grandson, uh, Dalton, Janway was taken as well. So we want to just offer our quick uh, condolences and thoughts and prayers to the Johnson and Janway families as they deal with this horrific tragedy. Um, and what we'll do is we'll take a quick moment of silence here, and then we'll get started with the rest of the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast. This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Coochie's Corner, and on TikTok at Coochie's Corner. And now, on the Anchor Podcasting Network, at Anchor.fm, and the Anchor app. All right, guys, we are here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast. This is uh, season four, episode number 16. We are going to go over the Nashville Super Speedway. We're going to go over the uh, the late-breaking news of the week. We'll go over a little bit more, um, I guess, about some of the Josh Berry stuff. We'll also go over um, kind of what that looks like in the Xfinity Series, more, more specifically. A lot of rumors about who's going to take over. Josh's seat in the eight car in the Xfinity series. A lot of names out there, I should say. And I think there's really one person we're going to see in that car. And I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, the other thing we will discuss, obviously, this is a Chicago street course. What to look forward to. I I, I really don't know what the heck to, to really look forward to with that. Because it's going to be, it's going to be very, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to watch that race um, unfold. And, um, yeah, we'll discuss um, what some people thought of last week's race out in at Nashville as far as the broadcast goes. I saw a lot of interesting things on social media about it. Um, so we'll dive into that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, a lot to go after here on the Coochie's Corner podcast, and we will kind of dive in. I'm, I'm going to dive face first in. Obviously, um, if you heard the open, obviously we talked about the news that we found out yes- yesterday. It was very sad. Um, but, again, just, you know, absolute tragedy there for, for Jimmy Johnson and his in-laws. And obviously as a result of, of that whole incident, um, uh, Jimmy and, and, you know, legacy motor club, obviously the right thing to do there is to withdraw Jimmy's entry and just not run that car this weekend. And, you know, I'm sure down the road, Jimmy will get back to the track at some point in time. I, I would imagine he's probably going to take a few weeks off. Uh, I, I mean, could be out for a month or whatever. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's a, hell of a, a thing to go through and I, I couldn't even I couldn't even imagine it you know myself um when I heard it I was like man this is this is some crazy ass story somebody made up and um the more you saw it the more you read it I was like God, I mean this is this is just horrible I mean the one thing that you don't ever want to report on is you know personal matters you know I think one thing that I try to pride myself on you know, with this page is we don't really get into the personal stuff. I don't, I don't get into a driver's life. Um, you know, I know someone's going to say, well, you got into Kyle Larson's. Well, yeah, we, but we all did. 
that was not a that wasn't just one person. There was a lot of people that got involved when Kyle Larson, you know, did that thing with the Mons of Madness and and basically got himself fired from Ganassi. Um, but this was this was one of those stories that once it was out there, I mean, you, you had to report it. You know, um, I tried to be delicate on the on the site. I didn't try to share all the graphic details and all the stuff that that was out there. Um, you know, I just for me it was it was just better off to put it on the page and you know say that hey we're offering our thoughts and prayers to Jimmy's family and in the Chandra's family and to to the Janway families as well and just you know offer up thoughts and prayers because that's about all you can do in that I mean that's a horrific situation that's the worst of the worst you know those are those are terrible things that have happened and transpired and um you know that's why I felt like we had to open the show that way and um you know like I said I normally don't like diving into driver's lives and what happens, you know, behind closed doors. But, you know, you, you see something like that and you know, there's going to be some kind of an impact on J Jimmy's, you know, racing schedule. I mean, he was supposed to run this weekend and I kind of figured he was, they were going to withdraw that car because there was just no way. And I, and I figured if Jimmy wasn't going to run it, they weren't going to run it. It's not like, it's not like they're running for an owner's championship or a driver's championship. They're just going out to have fun. And there's no point in running that 84 car. If Jimmy Johnson's not driving it. You know, it's not like you can go and say, Hey, Carvana, we're going to put, you know, Grant Infinger in the car. You know, you're not doing that. You know, you're, you're, you're not putting jo Jimmy through that, that situation of seeing that car on that racetrack with somebody else in the car, just because you guys have to run that car. You know, there's, um, there's no reason to run it. So, you know, they did the right thing and, and, you know, like I said in the beginning, all of our thoughts and prayers from everybody here at the Creatures Corner uh, page and, and podcast and everybody, um, you know, we're just offering our, our thoughts and prayers on that. So, you know, I, I swear that's the only time we'll talk about it this episode. But, um, you know, moving on, you know, we'll, we'll get into national in a little bit. We're going to kind of try to get into some lighter fare and lighter news here. Um, one of the things that was kind of interesting, so, you know, kind of quasi- Legacy Motor Club related, you know, Noah Gregson got, um, you know, cleared to go run the 42 car this week, which was great news. I mean, you know, he did have the benefit of the off week in between when he when he got hurt um, a couple weeks back at, at St. Louis. He did have the off week after Sonoma to kind of, you know, if he wasn't 100 percent, he was going to hopefully be 100 percent by the time they got back to National Super Speedway, which he was. So he was able to go out and make that start. And the other thing that's kind of legacy motor club related is NASCAR's appeals board upheld the L one penalty that they got for the greenhouse, um, violation a few, a few weeks ago, um, with Eric Jones. So that penalty got upheld. So they have to serve the suspension of, uh, Dave Ellens and, um, <laughs> excuse me, that's going to happen. And, um, they lost the 60 driver points, 60 owner points. So it's a big penalty you know, for modifying, uh, that area. So, you know, it, it sucks for, it sucks for them. Um, you know, cause you know, 60 points is a lot of points, you know, it's more than a full race you lose. So, um, that's, that's a lot of points. And when you're in a position where you need every point to, to make the, the playoffs on, on points, that's 60 is a, a big number. So, you know, that puts Eric Jones in that win must win situation. I think that team is, capable of winning um we've seen it win you know they won last what was it last year they won at, at darlington so that team is has got the capabilities i think eric jones has got the capabilities to win a race 
and there's some good tracks coming up for him. You know, he's he's a pretty good plate driver. You know, he's, obviously Daytona is at the end of the season, but he's not a bad he's not a bad driver at some of these other places coming up. You know, he's got some some opportunities here to possibly you know surprise some people and get a win. Um, you know, to win at Darlington in the fall in the playoffs is not going to do him any good. But you know, he would. You know, I think at this point they take a win. They don't care what race it comes at anymore. You know, wins a win, but. You would like to win before you get to the playoffs. And I think that's kind of the big push. There's this, these next, you know, nine races now that are left until the playoffs is trying to get through and try to break into victory lane and, and try to earn as many stage points and, and playoff points that you can, because, you know, especially if you're in Eric Jones's shoes, you're in Austin Dillon shoes, you're in all the Hendrick driver's shoes. Um, you know, you want to get all those points that you can, especially, you know, like a like an Alex Bowman, for example. I mean, Alex is is kind of in a hole because he's missed races. Um, you know, but Alex has got a better path to making it in on points based on you know just the fact that he was a points leader before he got hurt. Like he was a points leader, he was in a really good spot. And you know, yeah, they had a they had some penalties, but I think only one of them counted towards them. I think the others, you know, obviously the louvers all got rescinded, but. I believe there was another one that I thought they, the 48 and the 20, was it the 48 and the 24 got nailed for the greenhouse, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, they still had a penalty that they had to, to serve. Um, so I know that's hurting them a little bit, but, you know, at the end of the day, that that 20, the, the 48 team is pretty good. You know, they've had some decent runs. And, and Bowman's, you know, he's one of those drivers that, you know, he's he's not, widely known for his ability to go out there and shock the world and win a bunch of races. He's not going to go out and dominate a race. He's kind of a little bit like Jimmy John. I mean, not Jimmy Johnson. He's a little bit like Kevin Harvick in the sense of, you know, he can go out there and, and he can finish a race. Like he can be in a, you know, you put him in the right place at the right time. He can go out and sneak, sneak a win. You know, he's kind of that kind of a driver. He sneaks up on some of them and, and yes, I understand some people are going to say, well, that means he's he gets lucky. Well, yeah, of course he gets lucky. Of course he gets lucky. There's a lot of guys that get lucky in this sport. But when you look at um, Bowman, I mean, he he's not a guy that's going to go out there and lead three quarters of the race and dominate. You know, he's not that kind of a driver. He's he, His style is more of, you know, he, he puts himself in good spots, so he has a shot. And if they take a gamble late in a race and, he, you know, he has an opportunity to, to steal a win, he's going to steal that win. You know, and that's sort of, you know, as I've said it before, that's sort of how he's made his money and, and how he's kind of made his bread and butter. Um, you know, he's he's a pretty good, um, you know, he's a pretty good race car driver. And, and he's one that if you look at him on a semi-regular basis, this guy is pretty good, you know, um, at just, you know, racking off, you know, top 10s, top 15s. You know, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and build, a, you know, you know, win, you know, eight races in a row. He might win one or two. He had that one year he won four. But if you look at his four wins back in, I think that was 2021, you know, the majority of them were in the end stages of the race. It wasn't like he went out there and, like I said, dominated the race. He would go out there and, you know, it'd be a late race caution. He'd take two tires and everybody else took four, and that's how he won the race. You know, it was, it was that kind of situations where Bowman, you know, he, where he, you know, surprises people. Um, so yeah, I just think that they're a team that, you know, you never know. I mean, Hendrick is, 
kind of been down on speed the last couple of weeks, but if you look at how Chase ran this past weekend at, at um, Nashville, I think Chase was really, you know, pleasantly surprised by that. Um, do I think Chase is going to have to, you know, I mean, Chase is going to have to win to get in the playoffs. I, I don't care what anybody says. He's got to win to get in. Um, this is a great race for him to have an opportunity here. Watkins Glen, um, both road courses, obviously, even Indy. I'd say even the Indianapolis road course. I mean, he's got three solid shots coming up here, Chase does, of putting himself in the playoffs. And if he doesn't use one of these three opportunities, I mean, he always has Daytona. I mean, he is a hell of a plate racer. But um, I, I would just, if I'm Chase, I would focus on getting getting used to this car. Go talk to Jordan Taylor about street course racing or something. Um, you know, maybe have him on standby this weekend with you. You know, not to get in the car, but just have him on, just bring him out for the weekend if he's available. You know, just, just, hey, Jordan, you want to come hang out this weekend? You know, that would, that would be a guy to have in the garage area this weekend. Wouldn't be a bad guy. But, you know, I, I do think both Bowman and Chase are going to have to win to get in. Um, well, Bowman, not as much, but I think, I think we're going to get, you know, this weekend you're, I, think you're going to be in a really good spot to get a, a surprise winner like a Michael McDowell, like a AJ Allmendinger, a guy that's not currently in the playoffs. You're going to get a driver like that winning this weekend. But just, just from the sheer fact of, you know, these guys have so much road course experience and have run on different types of circuits. I mean, you know, Allmendinger is going to be up there, you know, with that, uh, I don't think Jensen Button is going to be up there. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Jensen's, you know, going to be. He ran okay at, at Coda, but I think what's going to kill him is just his lack of experience in this cup car. And don't come at me and say, oh, Garage 56. He ran Garage 56, Bobby. You got to remember, he ran Garage 56. That Garage 56 deal has got very little to do with the current cup car. And and I think even, even Jimmy said that. I think Jimmy turned around and said, yeah, guys, you know, this is totally different than the cup car. Like, they're not the same thing. So I think those people out there that are trying to say, oh, Hendrick got an unfair advantage by running the garage 56 entry. I don't think they did, you know? So we'll see how that all pans out. But I do think that um, you're, you're going to get a surprise winner this weekend, which again, now, now we got 11 different winners this season, right? With who won on, on Saturday night. Um, you're going to end up now with maybe 12. You're going to end up with a 12th different winner. So I just, you know, you keep getting, you know, they keep adding winners and winners and winners. Um, You know, do we get to 16 this year? I don't know if we're going to get to 16. I just think 16's a little bit much. But, um, you know, keep seeing guys pop off wins. We're going to, we're going to, um, you know, we're going to see some strange stuff this year. But. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. The other thing a lot of people want to talk about, obviously, is is the Chicago street course. We'll talk about that later. I'm not going to burn that in, in this opening episode. I mean, opening uh, part of the episode. I'm not going to burn that this early. Um, the one thing a lot of people want to talk about is is what's going to happen now that Josh Berry's got the four car, who's taking the eight car in Xfinity Series. And, you know, a lot of people want to talk about um, – want to talk about our our favorite truck series driver which is Carson Hosevar 
And a lot of people want to put Hosovar in the car. And I think Hosovar would be a good fit. I think realistically, Chevy is probably going to play their developmental card here and say, we're going to put him in the JRM car. And I don't know if that means they're going to foot part in this or not, but um, I do think that premier security group that's been with Carson a little bit in the 77 Spire car, which let's be honest, guys, that's, that is a fifth JRM car. Okay. Th those guys at Spire are getting cars from junior motorsports and essentially they're, you know, they're, they're leasing them. They're not owning them. They're not buying them. I don't think next year you're going to see Spire run an Xfinity car full time. I think they they dabbled in it this year because I don't know if I don't know exactly how it all transpired, but I do I do know that the team that's running the '77 Xfinity car is the same group that's running the seven truck, and because neither one of those are full time efforts, they're kind of able to say, okay, this weekend we're going to run the Xfinity car. You know, JRM is going to give us the car. We have sponsorship with, from Carson. And, you know, security, you know, uh, premier security systems. And we're going to go run the races. You know, these are the six races we're doing. We got, you know, six or eight truck races. So we're going to run 14 weekends and and everybody still gets to run part time. You know, no one's on the road full time, that kind of a deal. So I think that's what they're doing. I don't see them getting full time in, in, in Xfinity, at least not yet. You know, maybe down the road they do that. Carson might be a nice piece to build with, but I just... I just feel like if you're going to go down that rabbit hole of building a car, I mean, building an Xfinity car, you would go out and get an experienced veteran in the Xfinity series. Like you would go out and, and like if Justin Allgaier was available, you'd go out and, and get Justin Allgaier and get him to drive your car. Like kind of deal. Like that's what you would go do. Um, you know, you would get somebody that has experience or you'd go out and get Brandon Jones or somebody that's, been around the block and know what kind of a car you know you need in order to succeed in the Xfinity series and you know I kind of look at that that JRM 8 car and I'm like man Carson would be the guy for that but I also look and say it takes some money to run that car right so you know I, and I go back to this example a lot and I'm sorry that I keep burning up the same example but if you go back a few years ago I'm talking 2015. I heard the number was six or seven million dollars to run that that JRM car. Now I don't know if the numbers change because I know the cup numbers have come down financially a little bit. Um, you know, it's not 25 million to fund a car anymore. But I do think you need probably. I would say you probably still need about 15 million to run a cup car these days, sponsorship wise. And I, I would say you still need at least five or six to run that Xfinity car, at least that. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, going from the truck series where it's a couple mil, maybe two, maybe two and a half, you know, if you're at the KBM level, and I'm, I'm sure Nice is a little bit underneath that. So even if you say it's two mil a year, you know, and you're going to go run Xfinity, there's there's like probably three to four million dollars, if not more, that Carson's got to come up with. And I don't know again how much of that's going to go with him like if he goes xfinity races worldwide express gonna go with him into xfinity i mean it's possible you know and, and, and there's like no limit on how many vehicles they can sponsor i mean they could have a they can sponsor every single series if that that's what they wanted to, to do but you just know that some of these companies have a 
a limit on their marketing. And, you know, Worldwide Express is spending money, you know, really at two teams. You know, they're sponsoring two car, two trucks at Nice Motorsports, right? We're sponsoring the 41, which, you know, has a little crossover with Ross Chastain. So Chastain's in that truck, you know, at select events. And then you have guys like Bailey Curry in that truck. They had Travis Pastrana in that truck. Um, I think Connor Daly's going to run that truck later um, this year. I, I think he's running it at at a road course, I want to say. Mid-Ohio, possibly. So, like, Connor Daly's going to jump in that truck. They've had some different drivers in that in that truck. And then, obviously, the 42, a host of our base who has Worldwide Express the whole week, the whole, the whole season. You know, Premier Security Systems is on, I think, the Xfinity side of things because there's really not that many truck races that Worldwide Express is not on the 42 truck this year. So I think that's a little bit why they're they're dabbling in, you know, why Premier Security went to Xfinity. Um, well, Hosovar, it was just because of the sponsorship, but the at Nice kind of like got filled on them and they were like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Um, so I think that's a little bit of where that, mo- you know, why that money is moved there. But I mean, six races, I, I can't imagine, even if you say, even you turn around and say it cost you five million, five million to run that Xfinity card divided by the thirty-three races. That's one hundred and fifty-one thousand five hundred fifteen dollars to run a race, right? So if you say five fifty-one or one fifty-one, I'm sorry, one fifty-one, and they're running six races, they're, they're in theory, possibly paying around $906,000 to sponsor Carson Hosovar for six races. So that's, call it a mill. Call it a mill. So he's got one million of the potential five or six million that he needs to run that car next year. So he's going to have to find $5 million somehow, some way. And I and it and again, it could be Worldwide Express. It could that could be what they do. Um, Chevrolet could step up and and you know move some of their financial support around and say, hey, we're gonna go here with this and take some money from this team and take some money from that team and we're gonna allocate that to JRM so that we can get you know Carson Hosovar in, in this you know in this Xfinity car. You know that could be an avenue they go. Um. But, you know, that that's one option. I mean, there's other options out there. You know, there's some people that are talking about, you know, what could happen with Zane Smith. I, You know, Zane's got to deal with front row, okay? As far as I'm concerned, he's got to deal with front row. And unless front row releases, his, releases him from his contract because Zane has a deal with another team, I just don't see it happening. I don't see, you know, outside of Stuart Haas, I really don't see a path for him in another cup car. I just, I just don't see it. And I think if Zane's going to leave front row, what was that furniture row? If he leaves front row, it's going to be because he's going to get an opportunity to go run a cup car. Um, And I think he's running a cup car next year anyhow. I I think basically we're waiting for Todd Gillen to get the ax at the end of the season, which may or may not be fair. I mean, I really think it's unfair because Todd's actually run pretty decently in in that 38 car when he's been in it. You know, he's had, I think, a couple top fives this year, and Zane's had a top five in that car. So... The 38 team is good. It's not terrible. It's not as good as, you know, let's say Eric Amarola retires and the 10 car becomes available and Smithfield says Zane Smith's the guy we want. 
Um, well, I think if you're front row, you're going to get a buyout. Someone, you know, someone, Gene Haas is going to figure out what Zane Smith's buyout number is and say, okay, Bob Jenkins, we're going to pay you X amount of money and we're going to maybe give you a couple cars and we're going to call it even, you know, I mean, that could happen. But again, I, I just, you know, it, it all depends on Eric Amarola. You know, it sounds like he's trying to make a decision again, whether or not he wants to come back or not. Um, I understand Smithfield twisted his arm to come back this year because they really wanted him back in the car. But his performance this year has not been good. But you can't – see, as far as I'm concerned, you can't blame this season on Eric Amarola. You know, like as much as some people want to go out there and say, oh, my God, Eric Amarola has been terrible. They got to get rid of this guy. Yeah, send him down the road. You know, bring in Zane Smith. Zane's, you know, the future of Ford and this, that, and the other. I don't, I don't think it's Eric Armorola's fault. Just like if you look at Kevin Harvick's performance this year, you look at um, everything that's going on over there at Stuart Haas Racing. It's really not. It's really not there. It, it's the team. There's something going on there. But I can't even blame Stuart Haas for this. Like this is a. There's something going on with the Fords right now, that Ford performance has got to figure out. And I don't know if it's, you know, something, you know, like that something changed, that something aerodynamically been, you know, not benefit them with the with this new car. I have no idea. But they have not been good in the last couple of years. The Fords haven't been. And, and it sucks because, you know, I mean, yes, Joey did win the championship last year, right? So boo, wiggity, who, you know, me sitting here complaining about how Ford's you know, are struggling this year, yet they had the defending Cup Series champion. But, you know, the the fact is that Ford has only been good at those short tracks the last couple of years. And and, and I know someone's going to say, oh, don't forget Ryan Blaney just won the Coke 600. Okay, but did you remember who was dominating that race? <laughs> like, you know, um, did you forget that there is um, Martin Truex Jr.? You know, and, and Blaney just ended up being in the right place at the right time when they over-adjusted on Truex's car for the 18th time. Um, you know, so I just I just think there's something going on there. And they got to figure it out. They have to, you know. I mean, you know, if they want to get back and repeat as champions, they're going to have to figure out why they're struggling this year. And that's then there's something wrong at Stuart House Racing. I mean, I know they changed crew chief, so Richard Boswell is now Chase Briscoe's crew chief. Um, they moved one of Eric Almirola's, uh, engineers down to the Xfinity series. Um, I want to say it was Dave, uh, Torino, Torino, um, went down there and he is now, uh, Riley Herbst's new, uh, Xfinity crew chief. And then, um, John Klausmeyer, who was Briscoe's crew chief until he got suspended because they got popped on a, on a hood louver counterfeit. <laughs> and, um, you know, he got popped, I think, for six races. So he's been reassigned to the vehicle performance division over there at Stuart Hot Racing. So he's going to overlook all the, you know, car performance and stuff like that. Um, so Klausmeyer is now off the road. And Richard Boswell is paired back up with Briscoe, which, honestly, I mean, I don't understand why they don't do this more often over at Stuart Haas, why they don't take the pairing of, you know, like they did it with Cole Custer. And I... And I'm going to preface this by saying I understand they did this with Custer and maybe because the Custer-Mike Shiplett pairing didn't pan out the way they thought it would in Cup, that that might have been why they didn't put Boswell with um, with Briscoe. But 
I just think that those two were so successful together in Xfinity that like, why wouldn't it work in cup? And I think the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, is Cole Custer really the problem in the 41 car? Is it just that car just sucks? You know, like that, that entire program sucks right now. Like if Kevin Harvick left and Josh Berry took over tomorrow and, you know, ended you know, like, like Harvick just decided after the Chicago street course, like, screw this. I'm done. I'm, I'm walking out the door. And they somehow made Josh Berry available for, for the four car early. You know, like this is a fantasy thing, right? Like how good would Josh Berry be in that four car right now? He'd probably be terrible. You know, he'd probably be just as good as Briscoe and, and Amarola and, and Ryan Priest. So I want the people out there that are like, Oh my God, Eric Amarola sucks. Oh my God, Ryan Priest, you know, the cars are terrible. It's the cars. You know, there's something going on with the Fords. There's something going on with Stuart Haas. And if I hear one more freaking fan tell me it's because Tony Stewart's more interested in drag racing than NASCAR, it's got nothing to do with that. Okay, I can assure you that Tony Stewart has Greg Zipidelli running the competition side of the NASCAR team, right? Greg Zipidelli knows what the hell he's doing. This guy is a multiple-time cup-winning crew chief. Greg Zipidelli knows what he's doing. If there is something wrong with the Ford camp, period, period, end of discussion. I don't want to hear about how it's it's because Tony's, you know, hanging out with Ashley Moore and he's on the drag racing side. It, it's got nothing to do with that. Nothing. And it's not because they're, it's because of the Ford. There's something with this Ford car. If you look, Penske is not having the season they've had in years past. Okay. Notwithstanding, you know, Ryan Blaney's got to win. And I think Logano. I think Logano has a win this year too. Take those two wins away. What does Ford have this year? Nothing. None of the Stuart Haas cars have visited Victory Lane this year. Roush Fenway Keslowski has not visited Victory Lane this year. Front Row Motorsports has not visited Victory Lane this year. So all the Ford cars have have had their fair share of problems. Yes, I know that furniture, I mean that front row has finished in the top 10 with the 38 car. But so is the four car at Stuart Haas. So is Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher at Roush Fenway Keselowski. They just don't have the wins to show for it. And there's something with that. There's something with that. Penske's the only team that has two wins this year. And one was Logano at Vegas, and the other is Blaney at Charlotte. Outside of that, they have nothing to show for. Some top tens here and there, sprinkle them around. But there's not a track that I can say. I mean, it's a mile and a half. That's the only place that I've seen Penske or Ford done anything this year. And those are the tracks that Stuart Haas has not been good at. So there's something with the, you know, with the car. And, you know, I, I kind of laugh at the people that say coulda, woulda, shoulda, they should have stayed Chevrolet. Maybe Chevy would have sucked if they did. Who knows? We got to take a quick break here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. When we come back, we are going to discuss the Nashville Super Speedway race weekend and um, celebrate the melon man, Ross Chastain, getting his first win of the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season. This is a Crew Cheese Corner podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. What's up, everybody? This is Bobby Bailey here with Crew Cheese Corner podcast. I want to share with you guys a great deal that I have for you. You guys know I collect a lot of diecasts and a lot of NASCAR apparel. So where do I go to get all my stuff? Well, I deal with my friends Brent and Ladonna over at CircleBDieCast.com. 
They have all the latest race win diecast. They even have this past race uh, weekend's race win on the website right now. So go check it out. Crew Chiefs Corner has a discount code for all of our listeners. If you go in the promo code box, so let's say you order this past weekend's race win diecast, you use Crew Chiefs Corner, all one word. You get $5 off all U.S. Continental orders over $30 or more. It's a great deal, even today. Five bucks off shipping. I mean, shipping's gone through the roof. So go check out my friends Brent and LaDonna over at CircleBDieCast.com. Use my promo code Coochie's Corner. You get five bucks off your shipping order. All U.S. orders over 30 bucks. You get five dollars off your shipping cost. So go check them out. Let them know we sent you. Order away at your favorite Racewind diecast. And it doesn't have to be Racewind diecast. It could be whatever diecast you want. They have stuff in stock from probably last year and years past. They have all the stuff on pre-order for this current season as well. So go check it out. CircleBDieCast.com. Let them know I sent you. All right. We are back here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast. We are now going to break down the Nashville Super Speedway Race Weekend. This is uh, year number three of the um, Nashville Super Speedway hosting cup races. And, you know, they've had Xfinity and trucks before. But um, an interesting race weekend. Kind of nice that they went with the nighttime-ish backdrop for the race weekend. I thought that, you know, the truck race is pretty exciting. You know, Carson Hosevar winning there, uh, picking up his second one of the season. His, um, you know, he's getting better. He's He's not the Carson host of our that used to right hook people, but he's not a lot better, but he's getting better is the way I would describe that. Um, a pretty wild uh, truck race for him, but, you know, a big win, you know, two wins on the season, putting them in a better spot for the playoffs as they keep coming closer and closer to the start of their playoffs. They only have, I think, two more, two or three more races left um, before their playoffs start. So they're quickly coming to an end here on on their regular season. Um, and host of ours in a decent shape, but, I forget. Um, Zane Smith is kind of falling off the map. I don't know what is going on over there. I don't know that they're taking they're taking way too big of swings. I mean, I know he's been in some bad spots. He's put, you know, he's been in some bad situations where, you know, he's he's kind of put himself in a bad position. But they've had a really rough month. Um so, you know, I don't know. Anyhow, um moving on to the Xfinity race, you know, kind of a crazy race. I mean, you know, they were wrecking in the beginning. They were wrecking at the end, um, kind of all over the place. You know, it was, it was kind of a, a wild, a wild, wild race. You know, I think Nashville super speedway has always presented some pretty interesting racing. Um, you know, whether, whether it is, you know, the Michael Waltrip, Clint Boyer race, you know, there's always some kind of craziness going on, um, at Nashville super speedway, it seems like, and I just, you know, I feel like, um, we saw that this weekend, you know, I, I think AJ Allmendinger, you know, winning that race, um, getting the damage early on coming back and, and getting the, the victory was, was kind of prototypical Nashville super speedway. It's, it's what you, um, what you see, you know, I, I just don't know what else to, to say about it. It was just kind of one of those bizarre races um you know there's a lot of wrecks there's a lot of restarts so restarts lead to wrecks so there's a lot going on there um with that whole deal but um you know kind of i know a lot of people don't like the cup guys going down and running the xfinity races but you know in in some situations like you know this this deal with 
AJ, I mean, AJ's really running this card because Matt Collig asked him to run it. This was not AJ Allmendinger said, hey, Matt, I need some extra experience at some of these places. I'm just going to pick some tracks and I'm going to run whatever I want to run. No, this is Matt Collig is like, listen, we got to we got to fill this car, um, the, the 10 car, and um, we need to do it fast. So they were picking, you know, races for Justin Haley. They were picking races for Amendinger. I know Austin Dillon was supposed to try that car once or twice this year, and he hasn't. He hasn't yet. Um, Kyle Busch was in that car. Um, I think Austin's going to end up in that car. Um, we've seen uh, Derek Krause drive that car a couple times. Derek's done pretty good in that car. So um, Justin Marks is in it this weekend for the Chicago Street Course. So you know that ten car is kind of like the star car. Um, you know, I don't think, I mean, I think when they started out in Xfinity, the 10 car was a star car one year before that, before this year. This isn't the first time the 10 car has been the star car, but very interesting how that all kind of played out and how that all kind of transpired. Um, you know, once Landon Castle lost the sponsorship and, you know, all that, they had to kind of, you know, at the last minute, because they had this this team put together. They had this this whole situation put together. They were going to Daytona with this team, whether they had you know, uh, landing castle in the car or not, they were going to go. Um, and they kind of took it from there. So, you know, they've won, I think twice in that car, Kyle Larson's got the win at Darlington. And I want to say Amendinger, this is the third one they've had with this car. Amendinger won a Coda. Larson won at Darlington. And now, uh, Amendinger winning at, um, national super speedway. So three wins this year for the 10 car, obviously pretty good, pretty good stats for that team. And um, I think they're the only wins that Colleg has this year. Oh, that's right. Chandler Smith won at uh, Richmond. So I forgot. I forgot that. But, yeah, I mean, four wins for Colleg this year as an organization. Pretty decent, you know. Um, a lot more than some teams have. I mean, that's more than I think than either one of the Stuart Haas racing cars have this year. I think uh, Cole Custer only has that one win at Portland. That was it. So a kind of... Interesting Xfinity Series season. You know, there's a lot of different winners in there and, and guys that are going to be playoff contenders. You know, I mean, Al Geyer's up there. You know, Josh Berry's got a win. Um, does Josh Berry have a win? I forget if he, he has a win this year. <laughs> I might not. Um, gosh, there's been a lot of different drivers winning in Xfinity, it feels like. Um, but, yeah, so... So the Xfinity race was kind of wild, and then you had the cup race. And the cup race was good. I mean, I watched the whole thing. Um, Chastain had the car late in the race. I mean, it was kind of like a little bit like last year's race where, you know, Truex and Hamlin were pretty dominant in the middle of the event. And it just seemed like for whatever reason, like once the track got fully, like the sun went fully down and the track was totally pitch black, you know, the sky was pitch black and the track finally cooled off. It seemed like that's when Chastain's car came alive. And it seemed like that number one car was just on rails after that. I mean, there was nothing any of the cars could do. I mean, Chastain was just dominant. And there was, again, like I said, there's nothing those guys can do. When when Ross Chastain is on, he is a hell of a wheelman. And he will do things like he doesn't care. Like he's... The whole reason why Ross Chastain is talked about so much, and, and I've talked about this, you know, about other drivers, like one with the name of Bubba Wallace. You know, Ross Chastain is the type of driver you either like him or hate him, right? But whenever you see something about Ross Chastain, you have, like, there's people that have opinions of him. 
And the thing with Chastain is he doesn't care what he does on the track because it doesn't to him. He's always right. And he could care less what anybody like he could care less about what the other drivers think. I shouldn't say he doesn't care what anybody thinks because, because I think it was kind of interesting in his post-race interviews. He was talking about how he was listening to the criticism of him, like in the media and other you know, like race fans and like listening to, you know, different, um, you know, members of his peers, like Rick Hendrick going up there and saying like, you know, you will not continue to wreck my race cars really had an impact on Ross. So, you know, that kind of brings up an interesting point too of, you know, guys that just want to get, go there and get under his skin now. And that's probably one of them right there is Rick Hendrick's getting under his skin. So it is very interesting to see Ross Chastain go up there and admit, you know, hey, the last couple of weeks have been rough for me. You know, this whole thing with, you know, Larson and all that kind of really took a toll on me and I got to do this, I got to do that. And those are things that you don't think of. But when Ross goes out there and he's on and he's got nothing to worry about and he's on the I don't give an F tour, Ross Chastain is tough to beat. And that's what he proved. He proved that on, on you know, on Sunday night. You know, he is going to be hard to beat this year and he's going to win races. And, and you know, it was kind of weird because – a lot of people were saying, even last week, were saying, you know, I feel like the team isn't as good as it was. You know, like the last couple of weeks, you know, Suarez was struggling. Like they go out to Sonoma, they're not running as good as, you know, they did last year and this, that, and the other. And, you know, you kind of sit there and you say, yeah, the performance might be a little bit off, but it's been off a little bit with, with Hendrick. And then it just seemed like that particular race there at National Super Speedway, it seemed like Chase Elliott was up in the mix. Chastain was up in the mix. So it seems like Chevrolet has kind of figured it out. I mean, I know like Truex has won a couple times this year, and a lot of people are like, oh, Truex looks like he's going to win here. Hamlin had the lead for a little bit, you know, and, and Reddick had the lead early in the race. So it really did look like a Toyota race. But then all of a sudden, it kind of like the light, the lights came on. And it seemed like that's when, you know, Chastain kind of came alive, and that's kind of when it all changed. So I don't really know what else to say about that. I mean, I don't. You know, Ross Chastain's just really good, you know, and uh, that's that's what it what it takes to win. You know, it takes the whole thing, right? You know, you got to have a car that can run up front, it can run in traffic, and and it's hard. I mean, this car is way harder to pass in than I think previous cars, and I think that that's a a, a large reason why you don't see all the action that you're used to seeing. I know a lot of people are complaining about this car, how terrible it is, and I think it's it's easier to drive in some aspects, but it's harder to drive in others. Like it's not the kind of car that you, if you have a really good car, you're going to be able to go out and go mow through everybody because everybody's running about the same speed in this car. So this car is, is got some challenges to it. And I know there's a lot of things they got to fix about it. You know, there's some safety stuff that we're going to see in a couple weeks at, um, at Atlanta um, in two weeks, actually in Atlanta, we're going to see some safety upgrades, which is much, 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 needed right and a lot of people are going to be happy about that but you know then you have a situation like what happened at ryan blaney i know i spent a whole a whole time on on a on a discussion board about the on a facebook group i'm sorry about this so ryan blaney in case you you, you missed it um i think it was like lap 56 or something it was kind of like early in the race he um there's a late you know it was a early race restart and everyone's going three four wide and he got sent into the infield and, you know, basically had no control of the car. He was trying to get it to turn it and he just couldn't. 
I don't know if the steering locked up on him or what happened, but he couldn't really steer the car away from this this wall. So it's after the pit wall. It's kind of like a protective wall to protect some of the safety equipment, some of the stuff in the infield, but there's no safer barrier on it. And, you know, Ryan hit that head on more or less. And, um, you know, Ryan gets out of the infield care center and says, guys, that's the hardest I've ever had in my life. And I believe him because that, that looked like one hell of a shot. Now, one of the things that NASCAR did that probably has helped, you know, would have helped Ryan in this situation and, and did help Ryan in this situation is some of the stuff they've done with the updates to the front clip and rear clip of this car, taking some of those bars out and redesigning some of the bars and making them of weaker material so that these things can bend a little bit more and, and the cars absorb more of the impact than on the driver, which is probably 95% of the reason why we had the problems we did like with Kurt Busch getting a concussion with Alex Bowman getting a concussion and all the other injuries that have happened. So I think NASCAR kind of took that step and, and said, well, we got to fix these things. And they did. Right. I mean, so, you know, some of it was probably stuff they should have done last year, but again, damned if you do damned, if you don't. And then there's stuff they've learned from the Larson wreck with, um, I think that was Todd Gillen. Um, they've learned, or I'm sorry, with Harrison Burton, they learned from that wreck when you know basically that side of that car got punctured and and really got destroyed on, on larson's and you know there's people that are like imagine the other side if that happened on the other side well there's a little more structure on the other side of the car so i don't think it would have been as bad but you know still they had to do something to shore up the the passenger side on on these cars and and they did they've done that and that's gonna um kind of help and there's going to be some more changes coming soon so in two more weeks at atlanta there's going to be some more changes done to these race cars so I do think there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to get taken care of. Um, and we'll see what happens. You know, I think that the safety is going to continue to evolve. I think NASCAR's done a really nice job with that, but they just need to uh, keep going with that, you know, and keep, keep moving things along. So, um, you know, I, I do think that while it sucks that Ryan had that in, you know, that impact and, you know, that could have been way worse than what it was. I think you have to take the step back and look and say, well, you know what, that wreck could have been a hell of a lot worse um than what it was so it you know it kind of makes things a little you know scary for some people and i know a lot of fans are are well why did the speedway not have a safer barrier there they should have installed it there well you know for those of you that don't know this nascar so whenever you know they build a track right and uh you know this or go to a new place you know nascar goes out and they have an outside company comes in and tells them where they got to install the safer barriers and stuff and you know like for example you know at north wilkesboro right you know they had i think safer barriers pretty much put all around the speedway now at dover when dover first got safer barriers they did not have safer barriers on every part of the speedway in fact dover didn't have um didn't have safer barriers along the front stretch and the back stretch because this independent group said the chances of a car getting turned and hit the wall right there was was small enough that you didn't need to have the full length of the front front stretch and the full length of the back stretch covered they had the they had coverage coming into and out of the corners so coming off of turn two and going into turn three there was safer barrier there but there was just no safer barrier or like basically in the middle of the back stretch and the same thing on the front stretch at dover well 
they had a couple, I think they had one or two wrecks there and they decided that they were going to cover all of it. And I think at national super speedway, they went and they did the same thing. They said, okay, you don't need a wall here, 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 here. And guess what? We found one of those spots where they didn't need a wall. Well, guess what? They're going to put a wall there. It's going to happen. So it's the same thing like what happened at, at, at Las Vegas. If you go back in 2008, Jeff Gordon, Matt Kenseth, go look it up on YouTube. You could see that wall that Jeff Gordon hit. No safer barrier there, right? That was a hell of an impact that Jeff took. What did they do? They went back and they put a safer barrier there. Pocono, 2010. Uh, Elliot Sadler crushes the inside wall. There was actually an, an angle of an Armco barrier, so a guardrail, right, that he goes and smacks. And it was like it was like um it was actually like a triangle shape where the wall jetted out a little bit and then went around. I don't know if it was like a storm drain cover or what the hell it was that they had it jet in for and then they had it jet back out. Well, Elliot Sadler's car, when he slid through that grass, hit it kept going and it hit the spot where it like jets back in meets the rest of the wall, you know, guardrail that goes along this inside, you know, this grass berm. So Elliot Sadler hit that thing, and what happens, like, I think the next year after that, they turn around and put safer barriers, uh, you know, along that stretch of the inside, and they, you know, they ripped up some of the grass, and they paved it. They did a whole bunch of stuff to make that situation not happen again. So for those of you that want to, you know, complain about it, you know, NASCAR's going to do the right thing. This, You know, Speedway Motorsports will do the right thing. They'll put the barrier there, you know, and yes, I, I, I understand the point of, it should have been there. But again, when you get an independent safety group come in and say, hey, you don't have to put this here, you know, you don't put it there. Because, I mean, you know, this it's not like it's not like safer barriers are cheap, okay? You know, they cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to install. And I understand there's there shouldn't be a price on safety. But again, you know, it's always it's always about the almighty dollar. I don't care what anybody says. It's always about the almighty dollar. If you don't have to spend $150,000 to cover a wall with a safer barrier and you could just get away with having a good old concrete barrier there, that's what you're going to do. You know, why is it that most of your short tracks across this country still have concrete walls and not safer barriers? But in the name of safety, they should, right? Right? But they don't. Why? Because of money. Because of cost. You know, it costs a lot of money to install safer barrier. Go ask the folks up, up in uh, Thompson, Thompson Speedway. That I mean, not, not Thompson, uh, Stafford Speedway. How much money that cost them to put that safer barrier in? Even though they got it from a track that, that was being torn down, how much money that cost to install? That was not cheap either. Go go ask Stafford how much it cost them to put that in. How many, how many races is that going to cost them to recover? To recover the cost on that? So I don't want, I just, I, I understand everybody wants to bash on NASCAR every chance they get. But when it comes to safety, NASCAR has done very good with safety. I understand there's times where they're not good. I understand it. I understand this car was not the safest when they put it out there. It's gotten better. It's still not where it should be, but it's gotten better. And NASCAR continues to work on this. This is not something they're going to rest their laurels on and say, all right, this car is safe. We're not going to do anything else to it. They're gonna they're gonna constantly evolve and constantly move with what's out there. They have to. They can't just continue to do what they're doing. You know, they gotta do something. And they will. They'll figure it out. But 
Um, you know, like I said, that cup race was absolutely crazy. Um, you know, at certain points it was crazy. At certain points it wasn't. It was, it was like, yeah, you know, whatever. But big win for Ross Chastain. And like I said, he, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's got to win. He's in the playoffs. going to be dangerous, I think, come uh, later in the season. But now you can take a few weeks off and figure out, you know, maybe how to get some more stage points. Maybe stay out this this weekend. <laughs> well, not stay out because there's no cautions, but, you know, maybe go out and gamble a little bit, you know, on the on the fuel strategy and stuff like that, you know, try to go for the win. So, you know, it, it's it definitely changes up how you uh, look at things. So what we're going to do is going to take one more break here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast. We're going to come back, and we are going to break down the Chicago street course I know a lot of people have a lot of questions. They have a lot of opinions about this. We'll go over all of that right here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Hey, guys. What's up? It's Bobby here from the Coochie's Corner Podcast. Just want to let you guys know that you can go check out all the latest race news, race recaps, entry lists, point standings, whatever you guys are looking for. It's all on our website, thecrewchief.net. Check it out. We update it as often as we can. We have, like I said, entry list on there. There's race recaps. There's uh, point standings. You want to find out what, what sponsor your favorite driver has this weekend. All the latest news and information is right there on thecrewchief.net. Um, it is your portal to the world of NASCAR news, and uh, be sure to check it out. Once again, that's thecrewchief.net. You can even listen to the Crew Chief's Corner podcast right on the website. Check it out, guys. All right, we are back here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast. We are going to break down the Chicago street course. So it's the first time we've ever had NASCAR's top two touring series visit a street course before. It's not the first time that stock cars have ever run on a street course. Actually, if you go back and look, I want to say it was like 1989 or something. The ARCA um, series ran in Des Moines, Iowa, downtown in the streets of Des Moines, Iowa. Um they were there in support of, I want to say like trans am or something like that. Um, it was many years ago they tried it. So it's not the first time ever stock cars have ever done street course racing, but it's the first time NASCAR's Xfinity or the NASCAR cup series have done it. So, um, you know, a lot of people have some opinions on this or have differing opinions. There's some people that are like, I can't believe NASCAR is doing this. There's a lot of people that are like, uh, you know, ticked off that NASCAR's doing this. So you had another road course, you know, that that whole thing. Well, they took the race from Road America and basically continued to keep it as a road course. So I don't understand the argument there. Um, I, I will say I give NASCAR kudos for trying something outside the box. I think part of the problem we've had as a sport is we continue to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And while I know the NASCAR traditionalists or the purists, whatever they want to call themselves, will say, well, I'm used to going to Michigan twice a year, and I'm used to going to Dover twice a year, and I want my two Pocono races back. Although I don't think there's anyone that's really complaining about having their two Pocono races back outside of me. Um, but that's a whole other situation. Um, realistically, I think NASCAR's you know, understanding that we don't need to go to a place twice a year anymore. Like there is really no good reason to go to a track twice a season, you know, like, like Kansas realistically, do you need to go there twice? Like realistically, do you need to go to Daytona and Talladega twice 
Um, you know, some of these places that still have two dates, Bristol's probably losing a date um, to North Wilkesboro. So there's a lot of things that are going on out there that NASCAR is trying to do to try to shake the schedule up. And I think that going to a street course, while it's not maybe the majority of the fans first choice for NASCAR to do, they realized that they wanted to do something different. You know, um, Chicagoland was a great track for a number of years, but the problem with Chicagoland is the, the value of the land is worth more than what NASCAR could make on a race there. Okay. And for those of you out there that have ever been a part of business, it's, I, I, I just said it, it's all about money, right? So NASCAR is going to make more money on making that a, a industrial park and selling the land just kind of like what they did with a lot of the excess land out at auto club speedway now much like auto club i think there is a path that if you want to build a shorter track there at chicago and you could do it but i think nascar is elected to basically just sell it all and just you know make it a, a warehouse complex and that's what it sounds like it's going to become so at the same time, NASCAR didn't want to leave the Chicago market, but it's hard because it's not like there's another Chicago. It's not like there's another track they could go to and say, okay, well, you know, we're going to run this track in Chicago. Like there's, there's not another track that meets their specifications. So what they're, what they thought would be a unique idea was like, Hey, let's go and, and run the streets of Chicago. And, and you know what, that's what they're going to do for the next couple of years. I mean, it sounds like this year is definitely happening and you know, obviously it's happening no matter what, but it sounds like they're going to be back in 24 and 25 because they have contracts signed for 24 and 25. Now, obviously I know the city wants to talk to NASCAR after this year and, and after this year's race and discuss the 24 and 25 options, but I can't see NASCAR spending all this damn money and to say, Hey, guess what? We're not coming back. You know, I know people in Chicago want them not to come back. Um, I know a lot of people in Chicago don't want them to come back. I know a lot of people are pissed off about this and saying, you know, this is not what we need, blah, 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 you know, and whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I do think the race itself is going to be an absolute poop show in the beginning. I think, you know, practice is going to be a mess. Uh, I think it's going to take these guys a little while to figure it out. Um, because I don't care what anybody says, like you can build a good sim rig, but it's not going to be exactly the same as driving that damn car on a track. So while I understand why NASCAR is not letting the cup guys go out and run the Xfinity race, I think it's a terrible idea because I really think what's going to happen is you're going to suck the cup. The cup product is going to suffer because you didn't let them on the track. And I know someone's going to say, well, Bobby, you're nuts. Like you're the only person that thinks like, you know, these guys need more seat time. It's either that or give them like three hours of practice. A 50 minute practice session at a track where it's probably going to take them a minute to two, a minute or a minute and a half to get around. Figure it out. You're, you're getting what, maybe 30 laps in? If you run every single lap of every, you know, waking minute of practice, that's not a lot of time on a racetrack. I mean, I don't care what, what track it is, you know, you know, you're going to get barely 30 laps if you run every minute of practice. Like, how is that fair? You know, and, and, you know, there's other times that they have allowed them, especially on inaugural race weekends, they've allowed me think about the whole thing with Coda. You know, there was guys running trucks, there was guys running Xfinity. And you know what the kind of the cool thing about having guys that are cup drivers running Xfinity and trucks? Oh, guess what? You sell extra tickets to those truck and Xfinity races. Did you ever think of that one, NASCAR? But no, you know, we're just going to not allow them to go run that race. It's, it's cool. 
So some of these teams are going out there and they, you know, throwing in, throwing in random drivers. I mean, you look at colleague colleagues turned around and they're saying, well, we're, they're banning us the ability to run a cup driver in our car. So we're going to put a cup owner in the car who, Oh, by the way, he's got a lot of road racing experience. He's won on, you know, an Xfinity race on a road course. We're just going to put Justin Marks in the car. Nothing bad will happen with Justin Marks in the car, except he'll give all that information on how the track drives to his two drivers. And if you think otherwise, you're crazy. But that's okay. That's okay for Justin Marks to do that, you know, because there's no rule saying that the owners can't get in the cars. Um, I do ex expect the Xfinity race to probably be very sloppy um, just because of the amount of inexperience in that field. Um, you know, a guy like Justin Marks is dangerous because Justin Marks has run all kinds of different road races. You know, he's run street courses. He's run traditional road courses like Justin Marks in that car should run away with that race. He should be far and away the best driver in that field. And he's in a very fast car. So Justin Marks should be really good at Chicago street course. And then I look at the cup side of things and I say, you, you look at AJ Allmendinger, like I said, Michael McDowell, um, you, you know, yeah, you want to say Andy Lally, Jensen button, but you know, Andy Lally is, eh, you know, he's in eh, equipment. Jensen Button's going to be in a Stuart Haas prepped car. I don't care what anybody tells me. He's in a Stuart Haas prepped car. That should be a pretty, pretty decent seat for him. They should run good. The thing that's going to hold him back is probably his inexperience in a NASCAR cup car is the one thing that's going to hold him back. Um, Shane Vander, Vandergarn, uh, who's driving that 91 car. I don't know what we're going to get out of him. You know, he's kind of a toss up. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, but then you look at the guys in the Cup Series that are good road racers. I mean, you got Chase, you got Truex, you got guys that are going to be really good. Um, Chase needs a win. You know, maybe they try some kind of strategy. Him and Alan Gustafson try some strategy to get them in a spot, you know, with, you know, obviously not having the stage breaks, but to try to get them in a position where they could go out and possibly win, you know, a stage and then, you know, pit and do what they got to do and then get them out there and get them on the right strategy to possibly be in a good spot to win the race. So, you know, there's a lot of things to look out for, but I do think this is going to be an absolute mess. You know, at the beginning, I think the ends could be exciting. The restarts are going to be very exciting because there's going to be limited passing opportunities. I mean, I've seen this course on iRacing. There's not a ton of passing zones. There's going to be a few here and there, but I mean, I think it's going to be a messy race. I think the, the start's going to be crazy. Restarts going to be nuts. And, you know, I think the you know, if you get a green white checkered, forget it. I mean, forget it. It's going to be a wreck. It's going to be a wreck fest at that point. So, you know, I just, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I don't mind road courses, but, you know, this is something different. NASCAR is going to do it. And like I said, they're going to try to do it for the next couple of years. If they can't do it for the next couple of years, it's a waste of money, in my opinion. Then, But I think what. Even if they don't go back to Chicago, I think that this gives them the information they need that if they wanted to go do like this, like replicate this in New York City or replicate this in like, I don't know, downtown Miami or go run the F1 track at, at Hard Rock Stadium. Like you have some knowledge of what you could do. Now, I just thought of a great idea. Why, instead of NASCAR going to Montreal, why don't you run in the spring, right? You go run Daytona. And instead of, you know, I don't, I hope to God they're not going to do the, the Daytona road course again, you know, like they did a couple years ago. I, I would like them to go down there and talk to the, 
to the folks at Hard Rock and see if they can run the cup cars on that F1 track. Like, seriously, like go run it, you know, the second race of the season and just keep all the teams in Florida and go run there. You'd be right in, in Miami, more or less. You'd be in a pretty, you know, you'd be on a purpose-built track, you know? I mean, I know what Coda looks like, but I think the Miami Grand Prix track would be a kind of a cool thing to do. And you'd get a second race in that market, which is what NASCAR, I mean, NASCAR wants to be in Miami. You know, the the, the whole reason why they have Homestead Miami Speedway is because they wanted to, you know, bring in that Miami market. And I think if you can go down there and run the road course down there and do that instead of going to Circuit Joe Villeneuve and, you know, maybe you'd say, okay, Chicago, we're going to cut our losses. We're going to go take that date and we're going to go to Canada next year with that. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, God forbid, maybe you change the dates up a little bit. You know, maybe you, you make sure that the, you know, the Canada race is not like July 4th weekend kind of deal, but, you know, um, don't have to switch the dates up, I think. Which is what it sounds like they're going to do. It sounds like there's going to be some changes. It sounds like they're going to change the playoff races around. It looks sounds like Speedway Motorsports is definitely looking at possibly going on the oval, um, you know, for the playoff race, which, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You know, Charlotte's put on a pretty decent race. I mean, they put on a pretty good Coke 600 this year and the year before that. So I don't struggle with them going back to the oval. The one track I think they absolutely got to not go on the oval is at Indy. I know the road course has sucked, but they got to do something. You want to run an indie? Go run IRP. I mean, just just stop playing around. Just go to IRP. Just run the cup cars at IRP with the Xfinity guys, and stop dicking around with the the big track. It's just, it's not going to work. The cars were never designed to go run on a track like that. It was a cool novelty for the years they've done it. It, it just, Roger, we're sorry. Like you know, I I just don't know what else to say. Like it's just not conducive to NASCAR's, you know, stock cars. Like, even if you go back and look at the 90s races, like, they were okay. You know, there has never been an, a real exciting race at Indy with the cup cars, whether it's whether it's the big track, whether it's the road course. I think you could run IRP. You know, just run IRP. I mean, I just, that's what I would do, run IRP. Or convince Roger to build a short track in the infield somewhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just... I just don't see the purpose of running the big track anymore. And I just don't think the road course has worked either. I just think that the road course was, okay, you know, every, every, you know, you, you brought out the Roval, you did this, you did that, you know, road course, road course, road course. And, you know, it, it got Chase Elliott a few wins, right? But, you know, realistically, it pissed off a lot of fans. And you're trying to build the fan base, not alienate it, right? That's what you're trying to do. Um, you know, but... You know, and that's that's the other thing with this whole deal with Chicago Street Courts, which a lot of people don't get. There's a couple of you out there that understand it, and, and kudos to you that do. 70% of the people that are going to go to the Chicago Street Courts have never been in a NASCAR race before. 70%. That's huge. You know how many new fans go to an average NASCAR race? It's not 70%. I'll tell you right now, it's not. It's probably less than 50. You know, it's probably 10, 15%, maybe is what you get on a normal track. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but that's my guesstimate. Because by and large, there's a lot of, like, so I'm in an area, I live in an area in Northeast Jersey where there's not a ton of NASCAR fans. And when I talk about it, a lot of people are like, ain't, hey, ain't that the stuff that, you know, they just turn left all the time in? And I'm like, well, 
Yeah, but they also turn right sometimes too. You know, I'm like, yeah, but there's a lot more to it. And, you know, there's been times where I've talked to people and they're like, oh, you know, I would never go to one of those races. I'm like, come on, come on. I'll bring you to one. You know, we'll, we'll go by, you know, we'll go to Dover, we'll go to Dover or you want to go to Pocono or somewhere, you know, let, let's go, let's go to a race and let me bring you to a track and let me show you what this is really about. And it was like one of those things that I think that's one of the reasons why Alyssa got so addicted to it was, you know, watching it on TV is one thing, going to it in person is another, but going in the infield, getting the experience, getting to know the drivers, getting to see the cars up close and personal, getting to meet some of the crew members and see what goes on in the garage area kind of opens people's eyes. And that's what I've kind of seen. And that's one of the things that I think NASCAR needs to do a better job at. And I've said this for years. I think NASCAR should allow people more access into the garage area. You shouldn't have to be a sponsor. You shouldn't have to be someone that can shell out thousands of dollars to put your name on a car in order to get access into the infield. And getting to see drivers, getting to meet the cup guys. Like, you know, when when I was coming up as a fan, like guys would go out and sign autographs on Friday afternoons after practice, and you would go and, and you could meet like five or ten guys in a, on, a, on a Friday night, you know, out and about. Appearances. There was way more appearances back then than there are now. There's not as much. So some of that I kind of look at the drivers, and some of that I kind of look at the sport and say, you got to do a better job of promoting your races, number one. And number two, you got to do a better job of promoting the drivers. Because – you know, there's not a lot of people out there that know these guys. Like, like Chase Elliott, you you might there's might be people that know Chase Elliott. Obviously, there's people that knew who Dale Earnhardt was. There's people that knew who Jeff Gordon is, right? There are people that know who Jimmy Johnson is. But if you go and you walk, you know, a guy like Josh Balicki into a supermarket in anywhere in this country, I guarantee you, outside of Wisconsin, like where he's from. Ain't nobody you know who Josh Bullocky is, okay? Um, they're just not. You know, you walk, um, you know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. around. If you brought Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to New York City and just set him loose, I guarantee you there's like five to ten people that might know who Ricky Stenhouse is, and there's hundreds of thousands of people who have no idea who the hell he is. Zero clue. And I'm not saying have him sit in a, at an area and have his name in front of it. I'm saying just let him loose, walk around, try to get – you know, try to see how many people want his autograph slash want a picture with the guy. It's not going to be that many. And that's the thing. I think NASCAR's got to do a better job of promoting the drivers. They got to do a better job of promoting the races and getting butts in the seats. It's not all about TV. Like TV is great. TV is going to be fine. I, I can't wait for this new TV deal to be announced. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you those of you out there that have been following the, 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 the media deal, I've been saying this from the beginning. There's going to be a streaming component. And those of you that refuse to get streaming services or say, oh, I can't get the internet because I live out in the middle of boondockland, you know, USA. Well, guess what? It's happening. It's going to happen. You're going to have six races, probably six, on Amazon Prime, it sounds like. It sounds like Amazon's going to be the one that gets it. And you're going to have to figure out how to get Amazon Prime video Somehow, some way. Whether it's through your internet provider or through your mobile phone provider, you're going to have to get the internet connection somehow and figure it out because that's what that's what's going to happen. And you're going to lose six races a year, and there's going to be – I know there's going to be fans right now that are going to be bitching about it. 
But that's what NASCAR, I mean, listen, that's where the money is. NASCAR is going to go where the money's at. It, it's, again, it's all about the money. I've said, I, I said it three times on this episode already. It's all about the money. NASCAR is going to get a big payday out of this TV deal. Fox and NBC are going to pay more money to broadcast the races. And, the, and Fox is going to have less races than they had this year. Fox basically ate the those six summer races that TNT used to have, and they took them on, and they put them on FS1. We're not going to have that next year. Next year, that that deal is going to go to Amazon, and you're going to have to watch the races on Amazon Prime. You know, and, and I do think NASCAR is going to get some, I think, you know, NBC and Fox are going to want to get some of the stuff on streaming. There's going to be some stuff that goes on Peacock, so you better have Peacock. And I guarantee you Fox is going to put some stuff on their streaming platforms, on their Fox Sports app. So, you know, you're going to have to have streaming apps probably down the road anyhow. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, streaming, oh, it sucks, it's this, it's that. It's but, you know, there's a lot of cord cutters out there right now. And that's the other thing. That's the other thing that doesn't get included in in, in the TV numbers, right? You know, they don't – I mean, the, the networks know how many people are watching them through – you know, know how many subscribe can find out how many subscribers are you know paying for like YouTube TV. How many people are paying for um, Sling or the different providers that are out there, right? Hulu, you know, Hulu Live TV Plus Plus, whatever the hell that's called, right? You know, Direct TV Stream. You know, they know how many people subscribe to those things. But like when you get the Nielsen rating, right? When you get a, like a two point six Nielsen rating, that's based on how many people are watching on cable or network television like that's traditional media number you're getting right you're not getting the streaming number and you're not getting the amount of people that are watching on a jailbroken fire stick you know kind of thing like like people are cutting the cord every day you know there's people cutting the cord right now so it's happening and, and that's part of the problem and that's why a streamer like an amazon or netflix or whoever was going to come in and, and play and play ball and try to get the NASCAR rates. That's why those outfits want to come in because they're getting more subscribers, getting more people into their platforms. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it valuable for people to come and, and make it attractive for people to get rid of cable and come join their streaming platform or their service and get them to watch the content that they can't find now on TV because you know, all these media companies are like, oh, shoot, we got to do something because, you know, we have this 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 streaming platform. We got to do something. It's kind of like why, you know, there's a lot of people and, and to use a non NASCAR example, like ABC turned around a couple uh, this past season and they took Dancing with the Stars off of ABC. The amount of people that complained about it was absolutely insane. How many people were pissed that they couldn't watch Dancing with the Stars this season on ABC? They had to get Disney Plus. And listen, like this was a classic example of, you know, people were complaining, 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 complaining. So they're going to simulcast it on ABC this year. But it's still going to be available on Disney Plus. For those people that went and spent the money and, and bought Disney Plus, you're still going to be able to watch it on Disney Plus, but you can also watch it on your on your local ABC affiliate. Now, there was a there was thousands of people that complained, right? So then there's people out there saying, well, you know, it didn't really work out for Dancing with the Stars. It's not going to work out with NASCAR. Well, guess what? NASCAR is going to do it. 
You know, it's not like the NFL. Like the NFL was like, listen, we're we're doing this Thursday night deal with Amazon Prime. We could care less whether you know the people out there can afford it or not. We're we're doing it, you know, because we're gonna get paid a billion dollars a year by Amazon to do this. Now, I don't think NASCAR is going to get a billion dollars from, from Amazon, but they're probably going to get a decent amount of money. I bet you they get over $500 million probably for those six races. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. They got like $500 million for that, you know, and it's like a five or a 10 year deal. If it's a 10 year deal, it's 50 million a season. I think NASCAR would be happy to get 50 million for six races. You know, it, it's, it's just the way the world's going, guys. You know, it's it's more and more digitalized. It's more and more, um, you know, technology is just, it's changing. It's evolving. And, and you know, unfortunately, we all have to get on board with it, you know, whether you want to or not. So, you know, I understand that there's fans out there that can't afford to do it. And I get it. And I, and I feel for them. But, you know, just because you can't personally do it doesn't mean that, that that's the, the right answer. You know, that NASCAR should think of that one fan that can't afford to do it, and that should be the only reason why they they stay on network TV. And it costs a lot of money, you know? Like, it costs a lot of money to do network TV. Like, if NASCAR really wanted to, I would I would go down this rabbit hole. If NASCAR really wanted to be on network TV, they would have to pay money for it now. And right now, they're, 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 they want it the opposite way. They want the networks to pay them. So you're, you know, a, a way to get people to... To watch FS1, a, a, a way to get people to keep USA Today on their TV. You know, th those are all networks that basically they're trying to get people to, to continue to pay for so that they could stay afloat because otherwise those networks will probably fall apart. Like, if you look at USA Today, like if you, um, not USA Today, but if you look at USA Network, right? You know, a lot of the stuff that used to be on NBC Sports is on USA t right now, right? And you have a lot of reruns, you know, a lot of stuff like that. But now USA, because of all this live sports programming that's on there, they don't have to pay for all these, you, you know, um, they don't have to pay so much for friends. They don't have to pay so much for family guy. Like they don't have to buy those things because they're going to get live sports instead that they have to pay a substantial amount of money for. So that that's all stuff that like, you know, people way above my, you know, you know, our, our pay scales um, figure out and NASCAR, right. And they, they figure that out and they know that like, Hey, listen, you know, we're going to get Amazon in here and they're going to pay us, you know, let's say 50 million a season for the next 10 years. They're going to pay us half a million, half a billion dollars to get six races a year. We're going to make it happen. Like it's going to be a thing. And, you know, again, I, I get the fans that are like, Hey, I don't want, I don't want to pay, you know, $129 a year for prime. I just don't want to do it. Like I don't, you know, like $129 is a lot. And I get it. You know I mean? I'm paying, I'm paying 150 a year to to have flow. I'm paying money to have Peacock. I'm paying money to have this and that. You know, like I get it. It, it all adds up after a while, right? So, you know, I, I feel for you, but at the same time, like, what do you want them to do? You know, the money's on the table. They they're gonna they're gonna do it, whether whether we want them to or not. They're gonna they're gonna take the deal. They're gonna take the money and they're gonna they're gonna run with it. So. That's um that's where we're at. And I expect in the next couple of weeks you're gonna see something about the TV deal being finalized and um we'll find out for sure if uh Amazon's gonna get some of those races. But if I was a betting man, I'd be I'd be starting to think about what you're gonna do to get Amazon Prime video because it sounds like that's what's gonna happen. 
Um, so really, it's going to be tough to pick winners this week. I mean, you can draw it a straw hat. I'm going to go with Amendinger in the Cup Series. I'm going to go with Justin Allgaier in the Xfinity Series. And those are my picks. Um, so thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. We will break down all the insanity that happens at the Chicago Street Course. We'll go over all the late-breaking news next week. And we will then preview the Atlanta Motor Speedway for our second race there this season as we continue to get closer and closer to the NASCAR playoffs starting. I mean, it's hard to believe that the end of August is a lot closer than we all want it to be. It's like two months away now. So we'll see, uh, you know, how we get there and who's going to join this 11-win crowd. And um, congratulations to Ross Chastain. Congratulations to AJ Allmendinger and congratulations to Carson Hosevar on your wins at the National Super Speedway this past weekend. And we look forward to having you guys back here with us next week on the Cruise Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Thanks for listening to the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chiefs Corner, TikTok at Crew Chiefs Corner, and on the Anchor app at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.